Welcome to Mueller Time, and we're here with the filmmakers of Active Measures. How are you guys? Doing great. Doing great. So we Loving have a, being here. <laughs> yeah, on a beautiful Sunday here in L.A. Mm-hmm. We have uh, Jack, Brian, Laura Dubois. And Marley Clements. Yes. So how's your time in uh, LA, LA going, guys? It's going great. It's been um, you know, some meetings and following up on some of the uh, things from the movie mm-hmm. and uh, working on sort of next steps and going forward. Uh, obviously, everyone who listened to this show saw Active Measures, but just because it's always good to say it, it's the definitive and I believe the only Trump-Russia documentary. Am I, am yeah, I correct? Yeah, for feature length. I mean, there's been some documentaries that have touched on aspects of it, but it is certainly the touches on more aspects than any other. Film. Yeah. How was overall, how, I mean, how was the response been? It's been amazing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think that we were, uh, we, uh, I think kind of came from a position of like, this is going to be a big thing and get bigger. Um, and I, but I think that we were still surprised by just how warmly we were embraced by the community that reports on this and by audiences mm-hmm. and, and how, you know, uh, I think a lot of people have seen it as a really eye opening experience watching the film and that's been really rewarding and uh it feels very good to feel like he did something that was effective <laughs> yeah, yeah that's I been mean. great. and i think that it's been it was interesting that we're seeing sort of a big uptick now and people being really in sort of a new wave of people finding themselves interested in the Mueller report and um the entire investigation and so now they're sort of re-watching and getting more people to watch uh, it's been interesting the last few weeks with the news breaking people are really into the movie again yeah I couldn't help. I mean, I'm sure you've thought about it a lot, but uh, sequels. Uh, sure. You could probably be making versions of this for the next 50 years. I mean. Yeah. I mean, can we talk about the the next thing we're kind of thinking about working on? Is it is it too early, or can we kind of? It's pretty early. It's pretty early. We're breaking it here. Yeah, but I I think the the next thing that we're we're sort of working on right now is um, broadly, I'd say it's a docu series about the rise of authoritarianism, uh, and how and this you know, chapter in that is a big part of it. Um, and Trump's role in that and uh, sort of the greater worldwide trend, which is incredibly disturbing and increasing. Wow. There's certainly a lot of the same players involved. So it yeah. feels a little bit sequely to us, um, at least in the subject matter. And a lot of the things that we would have loved to include in active measures, but had to make it, you know, a length people would watch. It was uh-huh. um, cutting, you know, a lot of the Brexit stuff, things like that. I think yeah, be, hungry. It's a lot of oh. a lot of things that were some of our favorite topics that we couldn't fit in. So it's exciting to get to dive back in. That's where my family hails from. Uh, oh, really? It's highly. It's disturbing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Orban's a problem. He's, he's a problem. <laughs> yeah. So that that'll be a, that'll be sort of a focus of the. That will be one of the focuses. I mean, we really do want. To, I mean, Russia is such a driver mm-hmm. in that space of sort of the rising tide of authoritarianism. Yeah. But it will be a sort of worldwide focus, uh, not just even Europe. I was thinking too. The, I mean, you tell me if you'll explore this, but the, the active measures focuses on Trump and, and Russia, of course. Mm-hmm. The party itself, it just seems to be infected. Like I read an article about David Vitter, like mm-hmm. congressman. I forgot about. Yeah. yeah. Uh, will that will that show up anywhere? Do you think? Uh, it's it's early to say on that. I mean, I think that, but the, it is a really good point that I think that there's real problems in Congress. It doesn't just go to Trump. You know, I, I think that there's going to be a lot of unpacking of this, and I think that a way for people to really start thinking about it, because I think when we think about foreign parties coming in, it feels extreme and almost kind of. Um, hard to believe but the, the way to look at it I think is that these are lobbying groups mm. and so Russia is lobbying with a lot of money through Congress the same way this 
coal lobby does, the same way the oil lobby does. And to have somebody within their control doesn't mean that this is, you know, a mentoring candidate necessarily, mm -hmm. but it means that they have undue influence. And I think that that undue influence extends past Trump uh, and into congressmen, hopefully not many, but certainly a couple, it seems like to us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, certainly. And, and, and a lot of the political operatives that surround the Republican Party um, are just have, I mean, while we're doing this worldwide thing, you see them, I mentioned that there was a lot of the same players, like they are really, a lot of them working with Orban and mm -hmm. other places, uh, that former Congressman Kurt Weldon, things like that, oh. are of interest in this space, for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Connie Mack the Fourth as well, for uh, especially for Hungary. Wait, there's a Connie Mack the Fourth? He was a congressman <laughs> briefly, and it's, it seems very tied to Orban in a lot of ways. Wow. Yeah, I was thinking about Orban just because, like I was saying, like my family's from there, or not not the so second generation, or and as dangerous as he is, he seems like a pretty smart guy. And I was thinking, in terms of autocrats, why do we have to get the absolute bottom of the barrel, dumb as a rock? Just I don't know. We've yeah. talked about this. we talk about this a lot actually <laughs> internally. Just and uh, I think I'd rather have that, oh, right? You okay. know, I mean, imagine if this guy were had all of the if he were really a smart guy and he yeah. could subvert power and do all the things that he's doing in an effective way, I think it's, I'd, I'd rather have an idiot that uh, seems to bungle a lot of it. That's a great point. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I, and I also think it's, it's does say something about, and I think that we have to reflect on what these things say about us as Americans, mm -hmm. because while I think it's, a, while I think the Russians made the difference in 2016, while I think that they're um, a really oppressive force and it's not, it's really good at doing that, we have to look at ourselves and say, okay, what about us can they manipulate? Yeah. And there are things about Donald Trump that made it very easy to manipulate. I mean, just on his, just right here, he was, he was one of the most famous men in America yeah. for the last 40 years. Um, and that has a lot of play in America. And we're very impressed by that. So, you know, I think that there's things that we need to look at it for ourselves to defend ourselves in a very, you know, a way that we're really dealing with ourselves and not just dealing with the Russians. Yeah. Right now we're in Hollywood and... I think the role of Hollywood and Trump has still not been, I don't know what the word is, uh, realized or explained or um, apologized for. Mark Burnett, the, that's why he's in the office, in my opinion, as, as important yeah. as Russia was. You know what's really interesting is that you make a great point there that I've also been thinking about a lot over the past couple of days because you know we are based in New York and on the East Coast and DC and now we're in Hollywood more often. And I'm starting to kind of get more of a distinction between the two where New York's more like media, Hollywood's more entertainment, right? Mm. So when Trump was doing The Apprentice show, I think it was really fascinating that we don't talk enough about the fact that he was fully produced, right? From all his power stances, to the way he was lit, to his scripting, to the storylines that were happening. And so essentially he was a character that we made up mm. and put on reality TV. And then from that, it was a successful, successful show. And then more reality shows kind of sprung up. And then I think we started losing a sense of uh, ethical direction right. in a way. We started propping up these characters that aren't really famous for doing much except being entertaining in a kind of a weird way. So yeah, he's the ultimate like TV con man. Yeah. And yeah. it's just, but again, if that, whatever that, um, there was that space in there to fool people. Cause I'm sure everyone at this table right now saw the apprentice and was like, whatever, or that's entertaining, but no one at this table thought, wow, that guy's 
I should do it just like that. Like that's a real rich guy or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it definitely had an impact yeah. for public yeah. opinion for you know what will be decades to come from that. Yeah. And when you talk about Hollywood, do you mean sort of a uh, sort of tacit role, or do you mean that there is? Um, because one of the things that is the case is there's a bunch of Russian money laundering mm. through Hollywood. I don't think it's connected, but I was just wondering, are you making that connection or? Well, I, I, I don't know that it's, I have no evidence to say it's connected. I shouldn't say I don't think it's connected. I just have no. No, that's a great point. I mean, where I live over there, just that I meant more like the players who made, like Mark Burnett, okay. who I hold partially accountable. But to your point, where I live, the buildings have been going up like crazy. And I, when I walk past them, knowing what I do about this whole, about this situation, I'm like, who's living in these places? Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm not going to say a lot about this, but I will say that we've gotten some intelligence saying that there are some Russian oligarchs here in Hollywood who have been buying very expensive real estate oh. and have potentially been sent here to, you know, infiltrate the entertainment industry. And I'm not going to say much more about that because and, yeah. we need like more research to be done about this. But one of the issues we're having is that we're so infested with these uh, Russian spies right now mm. that it's really hard to get people to cover all these potential leads and especially with this like massive You know thing that we're dealing with right now. I mean we have to put all of our resources on that So I think there's a lot of uncovered ties here that if we had more resources and manpower could be investigated nice. Yeah, and, and we can't speak to the success of that but we've, we've had chatter of it sort of coming up as a thing so I think it's something that we're just interested in. I was just wondering if that's what you were but yeah, I'm very interested in that too. Yeah, I mean like I said, I go downtown a lot, and I, I know what the rents are, and what they're, and I just, I, I don't see how it's sustainable. I, and I, I know that not just Russians, but Ch Chinese buy real estate, and you know who's living in these places. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, I probably don't want a dose of a you know, Novi Chuck walking through a park. So <laughs> maybe we shouldn't break it here. Yeah. Right. No. But but that's something you guys are working on, seriously. Well, it, we we get a lot of leads now okay. because of the film, and that's one that's popped a couple times and, and there's some stuff backing up. I, yeah, I don't and, know. And you, I mean, you look into it and mm. then you kind of see that, okay, that person bought that house at a sure. ridiculous price mm. and he's clearly, you know, an important person in Russia. Mm. So it's just as simple as that. <laughs> Are you mostly all filmmakers by trade or does anyone know journalism? Um, I'm a filmmaker. Uh, she's a filmmaker. Okay. Uh, we've, we have a production company. Sorry, uh, Jack and Laura, mm -hmm. we're both filmmakers. We've been producing films together for a while. Mm -hmm. This is our first doc together. We, uh, Marley uh, is sort of our DC person. Yeah, my background is more in politics, actually. Uh -huh. uh, this, is, this was my first film, and uh, it's been a great experience. I'm really loving it. But yeah, before this, it was all think tank things uh. and campaigns and things like that and I'll go the opposite way is that I'm a filmmaker by trade and mm. make commercials and I didn't do anything in politics beforehand so I've learned quite a bit in the past two years the, the reason I asked was that the what you were just describing now is uh, in terms of getting leads is it sounds like a journalist and I've I'm like a comedy writer and a performer so I've I've been learning this as we go and I was wondering have you have you been learning journalism for lack of a better uh, way to say it. Yeah, I mean, I, I had worked as a journalist, not a, a real journalist. Mm. I would like cover events and stuff mm. like that for the New York Observer mm. and had done things like that. So I had some background. I've got a lot, a lot of uh, my brothers are journalists, a couple members of my family are journalists. So I had some background in journalism. Mm. But yeah, it, it definitely has pushed me more into that camp. We spend a lot more time with journalists than we would have otherwise. Mm. Uh, and I, I think that most of the people that we see as our peers in this, uh, in the Trump Russia investigation, yeah. are largely journalists. Um, so I, I think that we do feel, 
um, a little bit more in the journalist space, but I, I still think of myself as a filmmaker, yeah. uh, and that that's yeah. And I think that you know, I always have had such great respect for journalists, but over the last two years, getting to know these people and and in this culture where we're just you know demonizing the media a lot and fake news and uh, coming from our president, I think that it's been. I'm just so impressed by the work that so many of these journalists are doing. Um, I mean, this is interviews coming on the heels of this BuzzFeed story and the scandal around that. I guess mm-hmm. not scandal, but just well, sure. um, a lot of people talking about that this weekend. And, you know, those guys have done really great work. Uh, and we know, you know, one of them personally and, and know a little bit about how he works. And he's just a really dedicated reporter. And I think we've seen that with so many people in this while we don't consider ourselves journalists, we certainly have, I think, it's raised our level of respect for their work. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, I think that's a good way to answer that. Yeah, as maybe I thought there could be room for improvement in some things that happened in the election, I'm sure we all do. They, sure. They're Absolutely. the heroes. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I mean, and... and without I, doubt. Without doubt. And, and I think that there are, that's not to say that there aren't problems with every institution that's mm. ever existed and that there aren't problems institutionally with journalism in terms of, I think... Um, access journalism, I think, w- was one of the big problems uh, going into this, um, and so I, I think that there are certain things that, things that can be improved. But man, do we all rely on journalism so heavily, you know? And and it's such an essential component to having an effective society. Yeah, it's been uh, kind of funny learning how to even interview people. Like most of the time, it's great, but I, I'm not a journalist, so when I talk to some people who are more not in entertainment, I've, I've I've definitely made my mistakes here and there. Sure. I just you, you have a new respect for even on camera people. It's not it's definitely not easy. We also have the have the luxury of being able to edit. <laughs> yeah. So anytime I say ask a stupid question yeah. or stumble my words, I can be like, Well, that's my side of it. We'll cut that out and and let's not get him calling me stupid, so let's move on to the next thing and not put that in the film. <laughs> yeah, uh, podcasting's the same. I mean, there's been one or two times where I was like, Thank God, this is not live. <laughs> there was one that happened uh I um, I always freak out about audio. I'm sure you guys know. Oh, yeah. yeah. Very familiar with that. Uh, there was a guy a couple of weeks ago who, in the middle, he was like, oh, I have something to say. And it was like, I was like, great. And he proceeds to tell um, the aristocrats. I don't know if you guys know. That's a, yeah, yeah, the joke. It's like, it's an old comedy thing. And it's just, first of all, it was so inappropriate and has nothing to do with Mueller. And I was like looking at him like, you know, you have to be like professional, but you're like, oh my God, like this, if this was live, like podcast probably over. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. Check it out. Um, they made a documentary on it. Yeah. It's, it's a, uh, whatever. I'm, I probably shouldn't well, get into I'll, it. I'll, I'll, yeah, we'll I'll get, take you through the aristocrats yeah, after the interview. It, we'll, we'll, Great. It, we'll go well, I will over say, it. I really can't wait until everything wraps up for multiple mm. reasons, but the main one is that I really want to see that Mueller movie that's going to come out <laughs> after this whole thing. I mean, I just can't wait to see Tom Hanks play Robert Mueller. I w- <laughs> yeah. I was going to ask you guys, I mean, there, I mean, I don't know if you could tell me, but are, will there be scripted opportunities for all of you with this? Well, yeah, I, mean, I, th- I think that for me, I'm, I'm looking at a bunch of scripted opportunities for stuff that I'd written beforehand and some things I've written since. Um, and I th- think that we're all working on doc stuff. I don't know if Marley is interested in doing as much scripted stuff, but she should speak to that, not me. Yeah, yeah no, I, yeah. I probably no intentions of that. Yeah. There's one thing I would like to make that's oh. sort of peripherally connected to this. That's, uh, Have we talked about it? 
Uh, yeah, I'd love to do a, a narrative film about Lyndon LaRouche. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. One of the original, like, yeah. out there characters, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Almost get, like, nostalgic for a guy like that with all these, these people we have now. Well, he's, he's mentioned in the documentary. Careful what you wish for, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, yeah. There, there might be some, some trails of him in this whole thing, but we'll see. That's, uh, that, that, is, that would be a good movie. I'd see that. That's yeah. the only. That's the only thing I would ever do. I think I'd uh-huh. like, really like reading about that guy. So the, the way Hollywood works, like the the, you'll probably like be running a studio or something, because like the the less you're like whatever, the more they want you, right? Yeah, yeah, it's right. Like, <laughs> but also knowing the way it works, I think you guys would be the first people they they would call because they just want who knows the material, right? Yeah, so, I think so. Hopefully, whether you made a documentary or not. Yeah, um, no, we're all in a very good place, I think, in our yeah right now. Yeah, no, yeah, that, that really. It, very luckily we worked out well and I think that we you know, did really did our homework and really tried to be really strict with ourselves to mm. not do put anything in there that we thought was likely true but we couldn't really back up and uh, really just being dedicated to saying these are absolutely the facts and you can trace them this to this to this um, and I think that that has prevented us from e- even for some of the controversial things which mm. I think are likely true we kind of avoided um, and so that's really allowed us to be in this position of not having anything that's really questioned mm-hmm. and not having anything that people are like, well, that's not true. Um, I felt, yeah. yeah, I kind of, I mean, there are so many things that we thought about when making this movie. I mean, every just word in detail was really mulled over, mullered over. It's a terrible <laughs> joke. And, um, that's great. That's great. So I think we're really happy and proud of it, which is great. And uh, it was kind of, I guess my point is that it's like threading a needle, mm. right? It's just like really... Um, it's a difficult task to do, but I think that when you give everything you have every day for two years working on mm. something, you're going to end up with something you're proud with. Proud yeah. And our inc- we just did an incredibly extensive fact check on every single claim mm. in the movie. I mean, yeah. that was a very long period of time where we were just doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we feel very good about all of it and very glad we did that because, as you know, there's just no room for error in this story. Yeah. There's no room for error, yeah. Because yeah. now it can be some, just like some dude in his basement who just well, will blow up your whole life on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I mean, look at this Bud the BuzzFeed thing. Like mm-hmm. Anthony Cormier is an incredible journalist. Mm-hmm. Speaking of journalists, right? And his reporting, as we mentioned, is re- relentless. But now that we have this one, you know, con- contest to this article that came out, you start wondering. Okay, well has every other article contained potentially incorrect information, mm-hmm. right? Which obviously we believe that he's mm-hmm. right in everything he's reporting, but I'm just worried about public perception because I want to keep these um, institutions like The Atlantic and BuzzFeed just going strong and mm-hmm. remaining credible because they're like our, one of our greatest lines of defense right now. Yeah. What do we think about that story? I think it's tough. I mean, I, I think we right now we don't know. I mean, I, I think that it's one of two things, which is... One is there's enough that's inaccurate in it and details-wise that the mother people want to push it down and want to hold off on revealing mm-hmm. that aspect of it. I think the other option is that they were lied to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't have a sense right now which is more likely. Um, I, I think that initially I thought the first one, then the Washington Post did a longer article talking to Mueller. Um, or talk, actually, actually, talk, not talking to Mueller, Mueller rather, mm-hmm. but talking to, it seemed, somebody in the special counsel's office. Um, and uh, they seemed to further sort of poo-poo the story. Mm. Uh, so I, I really don't know. I, I'm, I'm probably vacillating towards they were lied to, but also I could, if you came back 
later tonight I might disagree and be like, no, nah, I think it's probably the first mm-hmm. thing. Do you guys? Yeah, I, I mean, I tend to think that, you know, certainly they're standing by the story and, and doing so, this, this is what they were told, mm-hmm. right? This is what they heard from their sources and I don't know who those people are mm-hmm. uh, and if there was a thing, but I know that, you know, very diligent reporters and um, would have done their due research right. on that. So yeah. and I mean, like, it's still yeah. up there. It's, yeah. it's still up on their, their homepage, homepage as of this morning. It is, yeah. So it's, um, they're really standing by it. So I, I really, I wish I had more insight into that, but. So do I, but uh-huh. I just feel compelled to stand by BuzzFeed. Huh? Like. I agree. Yeah. I, the, what I tell people is I don't know. That's, that's what I tell people. I don't know. I yeah. don't know. Um, yeah. And nobody else does. I think yeah. there's a lot of that in this story. And I think that uh, because a lot of it, because of our 24-hour news cycle, mm. everyone needs to have an opinion on a thing. But there's so much of this. I mean, we get asked, number one question we're asked, right, is like, what's going to happen? And when, are the, when is this going to happen? When's Mueller report going to mm. go down? And I don't, I've never met Robert Mueller. I've never spoken to him. I've never spoken to anyone in his office. He's actually right out there. (laughs) Great. Finally. (laughs) Finally. (laughs) My wish came true. Um, He's the the B block interview, right? We're the A block. He's number two. Yeah. (laughs) It's like that when those shows in the 90s, the talk show, here's your father. (laughs) What? Don't, why did you do that? So happy. But uh, yeah, no, I think that, I don't know when this report will come out, if there will be a report, anything like that. And I think there's so much that that we still don't know that his office can be the only people who know. And, um, you know, I don't. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we even know that there's going to really even, that the report itself will be necessary because Mm. he might just do it through indictments, through speaking indictments. Yeah. It's like with the BuzzFeed thing, like big picture though, the guy's like the guiltiest guy ever. That's why I'm like not really (laughs) tripping. Like he, he said it on TV. Yeah. Yeah. Which is another whatever, but it's like the forest for the trees thing. Yeah. I mean, it is important, I know, because those, yeah. Sure. Um, But I I think that we'll find out, and I think that um, even if that isn't the case, (laughs) my guess is that there are, um, I mean, it seems very unlikely to me that after receiving the uh, email from uh, Rob Goldstone Mm. that Trump Jr. didn't call his dad. That that isn't the phone, next phone call they made to a block number, right? And one could, I think, argue pretty easily that for you know conspiracy, you just need a tacit agreement and an overt act, and that them having that phone call was a tacit agreement, and the meeting itself was the overt act. So I think that that would be enough already to charge him with conspiracy. Um, yeah, no, definitely. But we're not prosecutors. Yeah, but we're not prosecutors. No, no law degrees, at least at this side of the table. I don't know about you. Uh, no, no, just. No. We have, I have like a lawyer friend I call when I'm not yeah. sure about something. Yeah. He's like, I live Don't. in D.C., so I know a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. Did very well on my LSAT. Eh, oh, you eh, took the LSAT. Fancy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I didn't go to law school. Though. Okay. But we have run, I have run that by lawyers, and nobody has pushed back. So I feel pretty confident in that one, the conspiracy thing. Right. Yeah. Why no, why no law school? I'm just curious. Uh, not that you need a reason. I mean, it's... Yeah, why didn't you go to law school, Martin? <laughs> Um, because I knew I was going to have to make a very important film one day. Well, good good reason. Know. Just didn't really, just didn't pursue it after that. Lost the bug. Well, there's no shortage of lawyers. Yeah. yeah. They're hiring right now, though. They're staffing up at, in Congress. Congress, yeah. yeah big way. And the White House. <laughs> yeah. How many do they have? About seven? 16 and 17. 17, like that. Yeah. yeah. One for each uh, case against him, seems like. <laughs> How did you guys come up with the idea for the movie? The story I'm sure you've told every every interview. But that's fine. The uh, 
So basically, uh, it started out because during the election, I think Marley probably December 2015 or something like that, maybe a little earlier, texted me like, hey, can you believe this? And I texted her back like, yeah, this is a, they should do this. And we just became election buddies. You know, after that, mm -hmm. we texted or emailed or talked just about every day about the election. And then in June of 2016, uh, she was like, well, you, you could do that part. The uh it was the it was the day that they announced that the DNC had been hacked, mm. and they weren't saying any details around that. But um, I knew they had been hacked, and I was in Washington and sitting in traffic as one does in Washington or LA, mm. and uh, was actually stuck next to the Watergate building, and was kind of just mindlessly staring out, thinking about. The DNC had been hacked and looking at this building, and I was like, man, this is a break-in. This is a break-in to the Democratic Committee. This is actually what this is, right? This is modern day. And um, and I think, this, you know, one of the things that we had talked, Jack and I had talked so much about throughout the election was that it didn't feel to us like an American election, right? There was just components missing. And my background, my educational background at least, was um, in Latin American policy, and I spent quite a bit of time in Latin America, mm -hmm. and it seemed very uh, more on par with what I would mm -hmm. see there. Uh, and so sort of mixing the idea of like, wow, there has been a break-in to, to the DNC, and uh, looking at this building, and it sort of just hit me. I was like, we've been saying this, this doesn't look like an American election. This actually seems like a very Eastern European election, you know? Uh, and I did I text Jack and I was like, what if this is Trump working with them, you know, to, to really advance this? Uh, what are the, what are the chances on that? And Jack, I tend to get a little conspiratorial sometimes in my things and, and Jack will walk me back often. And, uh, and I entirely expected this to be shot down. Um, but Jack has grown up in New York knowing the Trump family, and his reply was, you know, that's not that crazy. I've grown up hearing about his working with the Russian mob, and that yeah. would make sense. Yeah. And so I, it really I took I, off from there. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I think at that point, I was, at that point, though, I was still pretty like, all right, maybe. Like, doesn't, it would fit with other things, but let's see. Uh, and then it just seemed that every single piece of news that broke relating to that confirmed that completely. Um, and so we became very obsessed with that angle. I started, um, I was also seeing people that I knew, uh, had met rather in real life, that were posting an astonishing amount of uh, what seemed very pro-Russian, pro-Trump uh, stuff on their Facebook feeds. One of them had been a big Bernie supporter, had, had a tattoo of Bernie Sanders. And then um, that was a good um, move. Yeah, yeah. And then immediately became a big Trump supporter. Uh, and then the day the Axis Hollywood tapes came out, both of, or a couple of these accounts I was following, in fact, all the accounts I was following, uh, went dead. And then came back on two days later, and a massive amount of what had they been posting was erased. Wow. And so that was the first sort of ooh, that's synchronicity. That's there's something going on there. I don't know what it is, but there is that is interesting to me. Um, and so we kept following it after the election and then I guess kind of fell out of it. It was just looking for something, some way into it. And then I was watching the Clint Watts testimony on uh, March 31st, 2017. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he's like, he was asked, you know, why was the Russian active measures campaign so effective? And his response was, it was effective because the president used active measures at times against his opponents. And you were like, 
was like, that's the title. Aha. Yeah, well, that's the title. <laughs> Actually, oh. And I, well, I was also like, hey, you know, if somebody out there wanted to make a documentary, uh, they could now go to any member of Congress, any senator, and said, Clint Watts said this under mm-hmm. congressional testimony. Mm-hmm. What do you think of that? Mm-hmm. And it would be a way to start that conversation without getting chased out of the room, basically. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, well, if a filmmaker's going to do this, it should be somebody who already knows the topic, because if you want to get it out before midterms, it's way too late to start learning about this now. And it should be somebody who can move fast. No big filmmaker's going to do this because it's way too early to raise that kind of money and take that kind of risk around mm-hmm. it. It's going to have to be somebody that actually cares about this topic. Mm-hmm. And it should be somebody who has some contacts in D.C., can actually get some of these interviews. And I was like, oh, well, I, I, if I don't do this, no one else is. So uh, I picked up the phone and I called Marley. and was like, hey, you want to you wanna make a movie? <laughs> and she's like, I don't know what that is. <laughs> I did. I was like, this is I, awesome. I don't understand what the, it means to produce a movie. And I Googled, what does a movie producer do? Uh, yeah. And that, um, yeah, I mean, things pretty quickly, he was like, all right, we, we, I just need your help researching. You need to get some people. Uh, and so I was like, well, come down. I actually am about to leave for vacation. I've had this pre-planned vacation for the next two weeks. Mm-hmm. I canceled that and uh, kept the time off work, and Jack and I just went into a friend's house in Southern Maryland that was we now call our bunker, uh, and we were really like I'd say 17 hours a day just yeah. going through mm-hmm. all of the connections we could find, everybody who was on the campaign and the Trump world before that, um, just looking through names, and it was just a surprise rising amount of people that was like, yep, that guy lobbied for Alpha Bank. Check that put on our board, you know, um, or th- whatever it is. Um, there were so many. And then we well, really then wanted while, to... While, while that's going on as well, Laura and, my, and I had a film that we were sort of prepping to do. Mm-hmm. We were casting it. And uh, we actually, an actor who would have justified our budget and all mm-hmm. that stuff, agreed to sign on like a week after we'd started the, the film, the mm-hmm. documentary. I was like, Laura, I, th- I think we're actually going to be switching projects here. <laughs> and so Laura came on very quickly in there, and uh, we just got going, and, you know. It happened very fast. Yeah. yeah. I started working on a deck, and I'm just like, I don't even know what is in this deck. I don't know what we're doing here. I'm just going to start doing some layout work and go from there. And then um, over, you know, while they were in the bunker, Merle was kind of on the phone with me, and Jack sometimes too, and just kind of relaying what they're uncovering and getting the the thesis of the bigger story in play and it just started blowing my mind and oh, I've worked with Jack for so long now and I've known Marley for a long time and I trust them implicitly and their work has been incredible on this and so at, but at that time I was just thinking to myself like this seems insane but I really <laughs> just need to uh, put that aside and just go with it because uh, I need to trust what we're doing here and and then what would happen after that after we did our first couple interviews and meetings is that you start realizing the incredible immense like just severity of the story and then uh, everything just became very real from that point on we started making changes to how we were living at that point how's that well we we really uh stopped using you know uh, text messages social media we went sort of onto signal and other platforms like that um, because we did get, you know, especially uh, bef- because we started uh, before Mueller. Um, and I think what was going on is we were, because we were emailing with the Senate and the House a lot, we kind of popped on some 
on the Russian hmm. radar to an extent. Oh. And we got some, a couple of threatening phone calls. A couple of us got followed. Wow. Um, and it all ended actually when Mueller started. I don't know if that was just because, well, we became all of a sudden small fish or what was up with that. But yeah. for a month period, it was, things felt very sketchy. Um, and so we just made a decision to not have any media presence, social media presence, or not tell anybody we were doing the film that we didn't have to, um, and just sort of keep very tight-lipped. I hope to get to that, that level. No one follows, po- <laughs> no one follows podcasters. Well, they just, you should have started early. Yeah, no, that's, you know. yeah, Mueller, she wrote, beat us by like a month, kind of upset. But I don't know if anyone's followed them. I don't think so. I haven't heard any... Any stories? I think it was just really early. We were meeting with so many national security people just mm. to sort of do background interviews. And it yeah. was like, well, it's very clear that these people are all of a sudden really, really focused on this issue. And so I think, you know, yeah, at first. Then our, our fir- we did our first interview the day that Comey was fired. Mm. Yeah, the day after. A day after, yeah. yeah. He was, was fired <laughs> that night. And then the next morning we had our first interview. And, um, well, and while we were shooting that, he was giving... Different, different. Yeah, that was, yeah, another Sorry. interview, but just um, grab that part of the whole thing. No, it's but great. It's all great. I think that, uh, that it was such a great timing to start shooting, honestly, because a lot of the people, you know, we're ta- we talked to so many academics and diplomats and things like that that sort of weren't really fully on the story, and it was, that happened, the firing mm-hmm. of Comey, and everyone was, like, just blown away. Um mm-hmm. And uh, really, I think we're, it was able to, we're big help in opening people up during our interviews. Yeah, we, once that happened, we were like, well, we can throw out this sort of Clint Watts caveat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> people wanted to talk. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, we, we constantly got lucky with timing on this as well. We were very lucky. Calling in favors, that kind of thing, or do we? Uh, to, I mean, you guys have every prominent person in there except Mueller himself. Well, no, I mean, we we, we really, uh, and this was this was a credit to Marley who came up with the strategy was to really build to those people. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was we, she realized and uh, that it was easier to go to people that the politicians respect, such as think tank people, uh, than it is to go to them first. So that when they saw we had a bunch of academics and people that they respected and helped write their policy, they're like, okay, well, that seems like this isn't going to be some crazy chase. You know what else works the same way? I mean, I hate to even make the comparison, but con, con games, like, I'm that's sure. a, like made, <laughs> yeah. Madoff. Yeah. Oh, you're working, you know, this guy? Oh, here's my money. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, it yeah. works. <laughs> yeah. It does. Sure. Yeah. This, this, yeah. You're right. It's, <laughs> it's, yeah, I, I also see why you That's actually where I got the idea. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Long history of policy schemes in my family. I'm totally going to use this and send it to yes, somebody. Yes, please, please, yeah, please do. RT, Make please. sure to, yes. <laughs> Great. Can't wait. Yeah. RT, that's a, that's a thing. Huh? I mean, that's a real... Yeah, don't mess around. Yeah. I mean, and it's, uh, and it's a very clever operation. You uh-huh. know, that's, that is, uh, you know, that, they have a propaganda channel on everyone's American TV. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone's everywhere TV. I mean, yeah. RT Latin America does very well. And yeah. I don't understand why. I've never understood why that is. I understand our free speech laws, but to me it's like, would we have allowed like, like Nazi Germany to have a television station during World War II? Like they attacked us. How do they have a, a TV station that, I, I don't know. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think that it's... It's right down the... It's literally like down the block. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it is a really interesting debate. And I think that... And it's, it's not an easy one. Because I think you're right, in World War II, we would have done something about it, but also we had internment camps during World War II. So yeah. that... <laughs> I don't That's know. There's a, there's a pendulum there that we have to figure out. Uh, I think that... 
Um, yeah, I think it's very difficult to sort of say, well, does that qualify as free speech or is that a foreign state attempting to subvert our way of life? Um, I don't have the answer to that. No. <laughs> I think it's interesting that registering them as foreign agents. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I will say, though, that I think that seen a big increase in all of this. A couple, two, two major moments stick out in my head in the last couple of years. There's one getting in a Uber in DC and seeing the, the cars wrapped, right, with like a advertisement. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really pay attention to it um, first. And then it said like stuck in traffic, blame, whatever. Uh, and I looked again and it's, yeah, this car is wrapped in RT. Uh, and it was like, Lost an election, blame RT. Stuck in traffic, blame RT. And I was so blown away that in wow. DC, um, they're obviously spending money on things. And I asked the guy when I got in, I was actually, I was like, do I even get it in this car right now? What do I do? This is a real moment for me. And I got in and I was like, so uh, what's up with your uh, thing? <laughs> yeah, she got there, buddy. And he was like, oh, I, it's like some new like TV show or something. I don't know. They paid me a lot to do this, though. Mm -hmm. And I was like, mm, great. yikes. Great. Great news. Uh, and then the other one is that I, I like um, bluegrass and things like that. And there's a there was a channel, a radio station in Washington that I've listened to for a long time, like getting dressed in the morning or whatever. And uh, that all of a sudden became... Sputnik Radio mm. or something like that. I don't even remember what the exact channel was. I think it was Sputnik, though. Um, and, wow, that was a real downer to see that be taken over. I was like, wait, what's on this right now? We're uh, back on Sputnik Radio. Yeah. K-10. God, it's really depressing. Yeah. Uh, I was like, they just get a radio channel? Yeah. And I don't get any bluegrass anymore? Yeah, what, what is Sputnik? Takeover here, guys. So your favorite radio station overnight. Sorry, I have like ADD, so... So that, are you saying it turned into a Russian radio station? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. In Washington. I don't actually have uh, ADD, but so, I don't, yeah. I got it. <laughs> Trump does. Yeah. That's amazing. That's true. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's terrifying, honestly. I, and I don't know if it's still on. Mm -hmm. um, this, was, this was like 18 months ago, but, but it, it was a thing for sure. Yeah. They have really taken over. Very yeah. good at it. That's what's kind of like insulting about it to me. It's like what they did is not like the internet research agency, it's just some, some teenagers and some people in a room. How could that topple a, like a president? Sure. It's embarrassing. Yeah. And it's, but it's also, I think it's when you, when you have no profit motive, uh, you know what I mean? It yeah. makes the business side of it a lot easier. You know what I mean? When you're, when your only job is to influence, yeah. uh, like RT, like that's, that's their gig. It's to push a narrative. Yeah. Um, I, I think that in a weird way, like, because nobody else, I mean, advertisers are doing that, but you know what mm. an advertisement is. Yeah. Um, that I think that it's it's a space that people aren't used to being advertised in mm. or, or aren't used to being influenced as. Uh, and so I think it took a lot of people by surprise. I think it still does. Yeah. I, I know that we have, we, have, we have early versions of that, like Voice of America, but I, I, still, I still don't get why we're not doing more, why we're not paying a bunch of teenagers in a room to insult them. I mean... I just, I don't get it. This, the information warfare should go two ways. Well, but it's also, it's, it's easier for them and it's harder for us in a lot of ways as well. For, one thing is that just this sheer power vertical that they have. So like Putin can be like, yo, Russian billionaire, you're going to do this because if you don't do it, you're not going to be a Russian billionaire anymore. The United States can't go like Bill Gates, 
you're going to invest a hundred million dollars into this thing to take over, mm-hmm. you know, Syria like that. You'd be like, no, I'm not, I'm not doing mm-hmm. that actually. Uh, and then also the fact that they have such control over the media. I mean, the internet over there is somewhat, somewhat open. So there's, they can get some good information, but it's hard. It'd be very hard for our, for our networks to penetrate because they're not going to put us on TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think that there's a lot of reasons why it's easier to do intelligence operations. If you have an authoritarian society that you're, living in. And here's the other thing is that, you know, Russia's really good at this, but because they've been doing it for years and years and years, and they did it to their own people first, right? Mm-hmm. They really, yeah. going after their own people and, and infiltrating things, and they've got, you know, their trolls and the hamsters at the Putin um, is, I think, what we've heard from our Russian friends, because yes, we do have Russian friends, uh, <laughs> is that... Um, One friend. <laughs> A couple left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, is that um, you know they're not as they don't even look at it anymore. It's like they're so used to it, uh, and we've heard this from a lot of Eastern Europeans, where it's like we can't believe you guys fell for it. I mean, this has been happening to us forever, and we just know that it's like a crazy guy that's you know posing as this, yeah. um, or that you know it's, it's state sponsored, and we, we all knew that, and we we don't pay attention to it. Yeah. So we were shocked to see that you guys did, but we're just so not. Um, we we weren't prepared. We had no idea. We didn't ex- expect them to exploit our openness, and uh, and I think that that you know we can't do it to them the way that they do it to us because of that. Yeah. They've, they've sort of they're, already taken care of it. Yeah, they're also very good at taking advantage of our uh, party system because if they can essentially polarize each party, it also paralyzes them. And so there's no room to meet in the middle ground to come to compromise to actually function and have a healthy government. And so I think that um, with that understanding, they're very good at using data and micro-targeting to, like, fuel the fire of those uh, of the opposing groups right and then just to halt them there so it's a good strategy on yeah. their part yeah. speaking right. of that the micro targeting that's really the i mean in terms of looking for the smoking gun that's that's what we're looking for right did someone in that campaign or i mean we already know that manafort gave that data yeah. to his russian guy how, how did they use that i mean yeah, I mean, one of the things I think it's very interesting about Manafort, if uh, Konstantin Kalimnik was, I think he was interviewed off the record, but they treated it as if it were not off the mm. record anyway. Uh, and one of the things that he said about Manafort is his genius, um, and Manafort does have a real genius, uh, is reading polls uh, to the point where he can go into Ukraine, not speak Ukrainian, not speak Russian, and through Konstantin can basically have a shadow government within that country. Um, and it's because his ability to just look at polls and, and read them. And so I think that there is no more <laughs> benefit that, that Manafort could have done in terms of uh, aiding collusion than reaching out to the Russians and saying, this is our polling data, these are the conclusions we're taking from them. Right. And I would be very surprised if there wasn't targeting based on that uh, interaction. Right. And I didn't, I mean, I didn't see that because I don't live in Wisconsin. You guys live in New York, so I don't know what we, what we saw might not be what what they saw. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It made me think about, I'm probably just a few years older than you guys, but when, when like chain emailing, yeah, like I don't know if you guys remember that was like oh, yeah. took off before Facebook. Mm-hmm. That was the, that was the Trump supporter. Yeah. I remember getting those and they were just these idiotic emails from people who later voted for Trump. Yeah. And I think there's also another element that I think kind of gets ignored. And this is a really important part. And I think that this is the key to why collusion 
was so effective. And it actually kind of goes back to that first thing that Clint mm. Watts said, which is that the reason these things are so effective, uh, these campaigns generally, whenever they run them, is what they'll do is they'll throw a bunch of information on Facebook that is false. Um, the news is not reporting on this information. The other candidates aren't talking about mm. it. But then one candidate gets up and repeats it. And it, what it does is it makes it, gives that information credibility and it gives the candidate credibility. It makes him sound like he's the only one telling the truth. Hmm. Uh, and that interplay is a really important part of the campaign. It's not just the Russian influence. It's that the Russian influence was done in lockstep with Trump's messaging. Yeah. What, what a coincidence. Yeah, right. Hmm. <laughs> so how do you, you, you said the number one question people ask is what's going to happen? What, what do you guys think is going to happen? Well, I have a bet with Michael Isikoff, oh. uh, I think for $5 and um, shaming rights on his show um, <laughs> that Trump will be out of office for whatever reason uh, by August. In my, in my thing, I think it's about a 60% chance that that happens. Um, but beyond that, I, I, that is, I, I, every time I've guessed a thing date-wise, it's been wrong. Uh, so I'm not... I don't, I don't know when it's going to happen. And I think that people say February. I think the fact that Flynn's sentencing is March 15th, 15th. and Manafort's is March 5th, 7th, 7th? 7th. something like that, early 6th, uh, one of the early ones, mm -hmm. uh, that I think that that seems like it will likely happen around then, or we'll get a, a, certainly a new, fresh round of uh, indictments before then. Yeah. But I, I don't know. Make sure to watch active measures leading up to it so you're ready to read the indictments. You yeah. know what's going to happen, you know. Uh, but, yeah, no, I think that, that, that we will see a ton of stuff going on in March. Um, and beyond that, you know, I don't think we really know what will happen with Mueller, but I do think that if our economy continues to not do well, um, I think we'll see a lot of, Republican senators being starting to distance themselves from him and and being prepared to do something about this because I mean I don't really get along to begin with and mm. they got their judges and their tax cuts and they're doing their thing and um, I think that with the economy getting worse it's gonna really they might step away from him a bit and so hopefully that becomes something that gets him out of office before August, mostly so for that $5. Yeah. And, and I think that also the story is going to shift. I mean, even when people say they're doubtful or they don't think there was collusion or what that means today and what that meant two years ago or, or even a year ago are very, very different things. You know, the, the initial claim was there was no contacts at all between the Trump campaign and the Russians. Right. Um, and I don't, obviously nobody believes that today. Right. And so I think one of the ways that we also see the film is like, it's there for you when you're ready for it. You know, when, when yep. you get that piece of information, you're like, oh, you know what? For me, that's the thing that makes me, un that where I, I see the scope of this, I see that this, I can't ignore this anymore. We're there for that person, no matter how long they've been, you know, supporting Trump kind of thing. That's why I thought that the great, what I was thinking about with your guys' movie is that, because I still think that it, Hollywood catapulted him into that place where he was prime, it would be the, it would be the best ending to the story of Hollywood, active measures, Take took him down. I'm down. That, that would be, that would be the ultimate thing. I think. I'm, yeah. I'm for that. Yeah, I love that. And nothing else would be great. <laughs> it's great. 
sure. Let's get that rumor started. That's happening. Yeah. Well, I do think that like everyone kind of has a responsibility because everyone also asks like, what can I do? Right. Cause yeah. they watch the movie and they get terrified. Many people have strong reactions to the film, which is great. Cause it means that it's doing something. Mm-hmm. It's, it's exciting, inciting emotion within that person watching it. And so people feel like, what can I do after? And I think that each one of us can use our own personal, wonderful skill sets to do our best with our mediums that we work with, uh, whether it's just telling your friends about it, whether it's, you know, your lawyer and you want to donate a couple hours a day to this, to people who need this work, who are in trouble because of these things. For us, you know, we're filmmakers and we're in politics and we thought that we have to drop everything we're doing and just work on this because our democracy is absolutely in danger and not just in America, but globally now. So we just, you know, you have to hear the call to action and then go do something about it. Mm. And we need to come together and as a, as a country and, uh, and fight for it. Right. Absolutely. And if you're a comedian, you start a podcast. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I tried like five things. This was the, the, the fifth. The, the first was actually a website where I was going to chronicle one lie a day. Oh, amazing. And that was cool for a second. And then I was like, nobody's going to the site and it's, <laughs> It's he's lying too much. Yeah. So. How do you pick that one? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's real choice. But just thank you for doing this podcast yeah. because having these discussions and thank you to the people listening yeah. to this uh, because yeah. this is how we this is how we stand our ground. Yeah, like I, I think anger can be focused. I mean, everyone has their own reasons why they did things, but I just woke up. I was like, no. <laughs> like, yeah, just no, no dude. No. And I think that's a lot no, of dude. I think that the nah dude is is a real start for a lot of people, myself like, included. I woke up full on like bro guy, like nah dude. Yeah. This guy eats nah, like McDonald's, <laughs> he watches TV, like it, we can't, it's not going out like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, for sure. When when Jack asked me to work on the movie, I was like, "This is crazy." But I my office was across the street from the White House, and I had to like you know walk outside to think about it for a second and. It was just like this, like it was made of paper to me at that point. Mm. Like it just was, it was, it was just a real nah, dude moment. Like they were changing the fencing so that they could get people, uh, so people could be as close to the White House as they had been, right in the in the park in front of it. And I was like, wow, you're actually physically putting a barrier between it. It's just like, just I have lunch here, and nah, dude, that this is my park. <laughs> who, who are these people? Like who who has that sense of? I mean, we all grew up with. We knew some people like that, but who has that sense of entitlement that they think they can change the course of history like this? And, and not even, they don't even apologize like a Stephen Miller. It's just sure. whatever. Well, I mean, and they're doing it, you know? Yeah. So I, it's, um, you know, I, I think I switch uh, on a daily basis between being incredibly hopeful and incredibly fatalistic. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it is amazing, but also on the other hand, it's like, well, they, so far, so good for them. I think it's not going to turn out well in the end, but. Um, they did it, you know. I just hope democracy is not an experiment. Right. You know, I hope this isn't like the end of the, okay, well, that was democracy. Right. You know. know? It seems like, I really feel like everyone in this country should go abroad for a year. I'm sure everyone at this table has lived abroad or whatever. Mm -hmm. Because they don't know what it's like to be a foreigner, to see the world like that. And that's part of the whole, they don't, like, I lived in a third world country just for a short time, but I saw, or at least a developing country. You never see things quite the same. Yeah, no, there's a great quote, and I, and I, I use it because it's very self-serving, um, which is that there, I don't remember who said it, but it's, you don't know your own country until you've lived in two others. Mm. Um, and I, I think that that's uh, the case. And I think that, um, and I think to an extent that kind of also 
helped me in terms of understanding this because you do, uh, when you live in a smaller country, you understand the influence of other countries around it in a way that I think you don't as an American. And so I, I think as American, we feel so isolated from the world that another country having that kind of influence over us seems implausible. Uh, but when you go around the world, no, you, people's neighbors actually really have an effect on them and, and mm. there's back and forths. Um, but we've been lucky in that we have, you know, good to great relations with our neighbors um, and or have had historically. But no one's rolling from either side to invade us. That's not even a question. Right. Um, and that's not the case for a lot of countries. Um, so I think that our isolation also kind of, to your point, right kind of aided us in not being able to see this coming. Yeah, people like the the right or people on that side, they talk about not having a government. It's like, have you ever lived somewhere that doesn't have a government where yeah. every daily task is you're getting ripped off by somebody or just whatever? Like, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, and that's the big question of, uh, I, I frequently have, like, where is this libertarian utopia we're talking about? Right. Like, or how about this? Where's a libertarian country where they have slightly better standard of living than us? Just yeah. any, anywhere. Yeah. Well, that's logical, so yeah. that probably doesn't fly with that. Doesn't that you don't get a good answer on that one. Just have one more question. I happened to notice before I came over the um, Oscar nominations are coming out like tomorrow or uh, to the day. We're not on the short list, unfortunately. Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen. Okay. I really wish we what? were so yeah. much, and people have been asking us about it a lot, and I'm not really quite sure what happened. But I I looked at the list when it came out. That's insane, and I'm not just saying that because I'm sitting here. No, like, I, I appreciate that it. Is I, every every film we've made so far has won some kind of award, so I was just hoping for us to just take one home. You know? <laughs> but, but yeah, no, it's I, I well listen. I mean, those things are campaigns, and they're not cheap. And uh, maybe we should have hired some Russians. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, get a little uh, bot army behind. Grift the Oscars. <laughs> really, yeah. The, uh, apparently not that uh, expensive. But we have been rising again. You know, we did yeah. get to be the number one documentary on iTunes, and then we got as far as number four out of all the movies on iTunes around the time we came out. Mm. And I think we're still in the top ten yeah, right top 10, now. Top ten again. Yeah. So okay. that's incredible. It means that people are still watching the film. We're still getting a lot of engagement. Mm. Um, you know, we're really kind of going parallel to the news cycle that's happening. And I think the film just becomes more relevant every single day, you know? Yeah. And also we kind of had to decide a strategy in terms of the film. Like we, as opposed to doing like the Oscar kind of rollout and things like that, um, you know, we, we've, the film from me picking up the phone and calling Marley to us sending off our final cut to a mm -hmm. festival was a year and a week. Um, wow. And then it was one of our stipulations for it being released or for doing a deal was it had to come out at least a month before the midterms. Uh, and so, and when it did come out, we did a deal to sort of get it to as many people as possible as opposed to making as much money as possible. Mm -hmm. And so I think a lot of those things as far kind of uh, negatively affected our Oscar chances sort of at every turn. Mm -hmm. But also I'd say I wouldn't trade any of that because we got it out before the midterms. Uh, you know, we got, we gave people, I think a lot of people that didn't otherwise weren't going to read the books. Uh, a way of understanding this, and so that was our goal. You know, I mean, from the yeah. from the right. onset, like yeah. this was not going to be the the thing that made us millionaires and uh, you know got us all the stuff. This was a, a warning to the country that we right. felt yeah. we needed to do. Totally back that. I think oh. um, you know, just especially not as a somebody who's never made a film before this. Like it was just never even a question to me that like yeah, obviously it'd be fun bonus if there was an Oscar involved. I mean, it's so rich <laughs> off this Trump Russia. Yeah, thing. yeah, but documentary like, films loaded. gonna make me a million. Really, yeah. just horrified by this and wanted everybody to see it. And I think that you know we've done we've had to put all of our focus on that. And this was a this was a 
hard film to make for a lot of reasons, but it, this is a very small team and we did it very economically. Um, and you know, it, our goal was just to, to warn people. And yeah, I think we accomplished the goal and I, we're happy with yeah. that. Yeah. Sure did. 